So, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a Q&A. I think it's been almost six weeks, eight weeks since I've recorded Q&A. Well, actually, not including my uh, drunk Q&A. <laughs> that went down a treat. Anyways, um, yeah, we're back. We're doing another Q&A. So, with no further ado, let's get straight into it. First question, why don't you start your own e-commerce brand for profit, not like your clothing brand? Uh, my clothing brand is actually for profit. It just doesn't make much of it. Uh, you have all the experience. You need to scale it quickly and profitably. So first things first, let me talk about uh, Gadgie. So in terms of Gadgie, uh, right now it does around 15 grand a month. Organically, we run, you know, we actually just shot up uh, some retargeting ads uh, for uh, the blue light blockers. Um, but apart from that, we run no ads and it just does 15 grand a month organically. And that's kind of the state of that. But when you take into consideration our gross margins, our gross margins are like 50%, 40%. Like, uh, for the most part, the cost of the product is always uh, more than 50% of, uh, the actual retail price. So when you factor in that and then all the other, uh, costs associated to the company, it, it's basically a break even, but it's my passion project. And I just think from a brand perspective, it's super cool. And like, it just makes me so happy to see people appreciate, like, you know, here's one thing, like it's one thing for, you know, a friend to be like, oh, you know, the new uh, blue light blockers are so sick and this and that. And then it's another thing for, you know, my friend, you know, uh, other friends that are multi, you know, make multi seven figures a year to be like, dude, like I'm, I'm telling you this, this is better than these frames are better than Dita. These frames are better than uh, Tom Brown. These frames are better than uh, Prada, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the other thing that I always notice is like three months later, when people still wear piece of Gadget, I'm like, okay, no, you actually like this thing. Um, so anyways, long story short, uh, Gadget is kind of more of a passion project. Now, of all my businesses, Gadget is by far my hardest one. And it would be the hardest one to scale up. So I think people have this idea of e-commerce, like, oh, you know, you just find a product and then you just make millions. Well, first of all, <laughs> the first thing that you're forgetting with e-commerce brands is, look, most e-commerce businesses have margins of anywhere from by the way, I'm talking net margins after everything is said and done, not on the uh, cost of goods in terms of ads. Well, first of all, if, you know, most e-commerce businesses have healthy uh, gross margins of 50%, right? So if the product they're selling is 50 bucks or the product that they're selling is hundred bucks, usually it'll cost them $50 to produce it. Now let's say they're spending, um, you know, let, let's say they're getting a 4X ROAS, right? That means that they're spending $25 to acquire uh, a customer on a hundred dollar product. Now also granted, you know, really most of where most of the money is made is on the actual average order value, as well as, uh, you know, repeat customers and this and that. So that's one thing that I will mention, but let's say that you're spending $25 in ads to acquire a customer. That means out of a hundred dollars, you're left with 25, right? So that's 25% margins. Then there's all the other costs associated to running an e-commerce business. And what you're left with is most e-commerce businesses that have margins of anywhere between 15 and 30%. Now you might have an e-commerce business going, ah, I make, you know, a million dollars a year, $2 million a year. Ah, well, what are they left with? You know, and let's say they're making a million dollars a year with the 15% margins, you're left with 150K. Let's say it's 30% margins, like actual business uh, you know, margins after everything's all said and done. You're left for 300K. That's not very much. Guys, um, I don't want to say I do it every single month because, you know, uh, we did it. We hit our first 100K month profit in 2019. We did it once. We did it a few times in 2020. And this year, it's going to be a hygiene standard. So this year, I will clear well over seven figures of profit with my agency an e-commerce business like uh, for me i'm gonna have to create an e-commerce business that does three to five million to compete with that in revenue and it's very 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 hard like honestly i think i'm an incredible entrepreneur i think that i can pretty much beat anyone in any industry but i'm telling you right now e-commerce is 
tough. It's tough. It's tough. And most of the time it's about finding, not even finding a product. And I don't want to say luck because, you know, I would never want to discredit someone, but it's about finding a product that has a lot of market resonance. You can have literally the best entrepreneur on earth, the best uh, online marketer on earth, but if they don't get product selection, right? And it's very tough to get product selection, right? You have to try a bunch of different things and eventually you'll find some uh, a brand that resonates with the market. But unfortunately, you're going to have to go through, a lot of times you're going to have to go through a lot of different iterations to get to that point. So my point is, uh, why would I not start an e-commerce brand and scale that up? I have an e-commerce brand, so, and if I wanted to scale that up, I very well could. And it's an e-commerce brand that's already, like already does like, you know, it's not much, but you know, 200K uh, pounds that is, by the way. So that's what, like two, quarter million dollars a year in revenue. Um, and that's just organically, like purely without even running retargeting ads. Um, why not just ramp Gadget up? Well, that's because I know that the time that I focus on that, instead I could go from 100K to 200K a month profit with my agency. Uh, and that would be the equivalent of adding an extra three to five million a year in revenue for an e-commerce brand. So e-commerce is a very, very, very misunderstood um, sort of industry. Um, and, you know, for all my clients that run e-commerce brands, hats off to them because it's very tough. Honestly, it's very, very tough and I don't want to deal with it. I much prefer running my agency and, and focusing on my agency. So yeah, that's why I don't uh, scale up or, you know, start an e-commerce brand and scale it up because it's not as simple as most people make it out to be. Next question is, hey, E-Man, why people work with agencies when they can work with freelancers? Great question. Why do why did I book this Airbnb? Uh, especially considering I've already been to this Airbnb before. I have the owner's uh, contact information. I was even thinking, you know, about, and we were talking about doing it off Airbnb. You know, I save uh, I save a ton of um, a service fee or whatever their whatever the Airbnb fee is. Um, you know, the the actual owner of the uh, the villa s saves a lot of fees as well. Um, so why did I still do it on Airbnb rather than, you know, going direct to the villa owner? And why did, you know, the owner of the villa, why do they give up such huge percentage and huge fees to Airbnb when they could just market their, this thing themselves? Well, quite simply, I go to Airbnb because I know that under the Airbnb experience, there is more, it, it's quite, quite frankly, it's that, right? You're getting the Airbnb experience in the same way that why does, you know, why do you go to a law firm when you could just very easily hire like a, you know, there, there's many like freelance lawyers out there and sort of independent lawyers and stuff like that. But why do you go to a law firm, which by the way, it, you know, is taking the price of the, uh, is taking the basically hourly billable and doubling it or tripling it from what it actually has to be, or at least what the lawyer is getting paid. Because you know that when you go to a law firm, you go, you get a certain, um, you get a certain experience. So most businesses don't want to deal with just a, you know, a, just a random contractor. They want to go to an agency. And even if you're a beginner agency, the main thing is the way that you, and, and you know, this is everything that I teach you guys in agency incubator, the way that you present your offer, the way that you pitch and the systems and processes that I give you guys in agency incubator directly from my agency from day one, they can tell, ah, okay, this is an actual established agency. You don't look like someone who's just put a, a couple things together, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't look like someone who's just a contractor and this and that it has no systems and proce uh, processes in place. So that's why people go to agencies um, rather than going direct to, you know, a contractor. That's why people would much rather work with an agency than find a contractor on Upwork. As I said, in the same way, why do people go to law firms when they can just go to the lawyers directly? Why do people go to, you know, why do people go to... Uh, why do people use Airbnb when they could find off-market deals a lot cheaper? Um, you know, the list goes on and on. You can start to see the patterns. Really, what agencies are, what law firms are, what 
uh, you know, video production companies are, are there people who take talented people or, or contractors uh, or employees and they wrap it under that agency experience, which is much more premium and clients feel a lot more safe and secure um, when they're actually investing in an agency experience. So hopefully that answers your question. All right, next question. Do you think there is a healthy diet that works well for all, a vegan or carnivore, for example, or you think that every individual has something that works for him the best, him or her the best, uh, you should say. But um, yeah, uh, look, there is, first of all, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, there is no one size fits all, right? Uh, for all of the carnivore uh, evangelists out there, um, and at one point I almost felt like I was becoming one. Um, and it, as many of you guys know, uh, you know, I do carnivore, basically keto carnivore for the most part, it's basically like in 90% carnivore. I basically do carnivore plus, um, avocado, uh, avocado right? So yeah, the, the, you know, I eat meat, fish, anything that comes from meat, you know, so I eat some like cheese. Um, what else is there? You know, basically, yeah, basically I eat meat, fish. Uh, you know, I'll eat things like oysters. So I'll have like shellfish. Um, you know, I, I would, would be able to have lobster. I haven't had that in a while though. Um, yeah, I said cheese. Um, technically I can have like, uh, creams and yogurts and stuff, but I don't do, uh, I don't really do dairy much. Uh, butter. I have a lot of butter. Yeah. So that's kind of my diet, but I don't think that's a one size fits all solution for all people. Um, and yeah, I think anyone who thinks that is just, you know, is foolish. Uh, I think anyone who thinks that a vegan uh, diet is, is the solution for everyone is foolish. You know, every single person is different. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's a point in vegans and carnivores fighting and paleo people fighting or like vegans judging carnivores and carnivores judging vegans and then paleo people judging people who do like uh, keto and then keto. Like at the end of the day, if you are doing these diets and you're doing it clean, then at the end of the day, you're winning, right? If you're not put it, uh, putting processed shit into your body and you're steering as far away from the standard american diet as you humanly can then you're doing you know you're doing well and that's one thing that i will say i love about carnivore because and this is just you know don't, don't for any vegans watching this like don't go that shit crazy at me i'm sure you agree with this um you can be honestly a lot of times you can do a vegan diet that's worse than your traditional american standard diet because there's so many ways you can cheat you know with a vegan diet like vegan muffins and like I, will, I see so many people like have like french fries and then vegan muffins and vegan like the, and like all these vegan treats and stuff and whereas with like carnivore you can't have anything it's like my treat is cheese <laughs> like you know what i mean like with carnivore it's not like you can have like carnivore or carnivore um brownies or, you know what i mean like with carnivore it's, it's literally almost impossible to cheat and by the way that's the other thing i'll say about keto right so keto is just as bad right even though i'm kind of more in that world like with keto, that's one of the things I don't like. Um, or is, you know, I don't think it's as bad as vegan in terms of like the amount of cheat stuff that you can have. Uh, but with a lot of keto, so you get all these like crappy keto bars and, and that's not healthy guys. That's just, pro you, you know, as I said, you're just get, going, getting back into the traditional American standard diet. So um, yeah, um, I, I, there is no one size fits all. The only thing that I will say, and, and I think this is maybe why I'm more of like a, uh, sometimes I you know, do believe very strongly in, in a carnivore and keto, not for everyone, but it, this is, I, I can get sometimes annoyed at certain people that talk to me uh, about, look, you know, you don't have rice, you don't have greens. How important is that? Blah, blah. And I'm just like, do you just want to deny human evolution? Because here's the thing, you know, my mom and my biological father, they're from Russia, 
right? So you tell me, you know, some people are like, oh, it's crazy. You don't have, you don't eat vegetables, this, that. Like, what's wrong with you, Bo? And I'm like, nine months of the year. And by the way, I know this because my grandmother, you know, I, I grew up, you know, my mom had me at a very early age. She had to work three jobs, um, you know, to basically take care of me and her. So my grandma and my grandpa basically raised, raised me for the first three, four years of my life. I basically grew up on a farm, right? So, you know, when you have the house and then you have like, you know, a probably like a hundred meters down to the toilet. And it's one of those Turkish toilets that you just squat and, you know, do your business. Um, that's basically where I'm from. If you guys have ever seen Bora, like I'm literally from there. Just not Kazakhstan, Russia, a place called Dagestan. For any of you guys who are into MMA, Khabib, uh, Avaritz, he's Avaritz. My biological father is Avaritz. Like there's only like 35,000 of us, I believe. Like I must be relatively kind of somewhere in that bloodline. Anyways, when you go to the toilet, you know, you go past the chickens and cows and you know uh you know there's there's cucumbers and then there's like um cucumbers and tomatoes and then uh, uh we would grow pomegranates and, and the thing is when you get something out of season and you eat it you, you feel sick right so nine months of the year how am i meant to eat vegetables when i can't have cucumbers i can't have tomatoes like where am i gonna find them right and that's in a sort of um you know that that's living in a, in a household where you guys do farming like explain to me, you know, you know, 10,000 years ago when you're basically living in the wild, like as humans, where are you going to find tomatoes? Where are you going to find vegetables? So for anyone who's like, oh, you know, you don't eat. And by the way, also for, for people who do carnivore or keto, well, that, that's the thing with keto, you do still have uh, vegetables and stuff like that. So I think for anyone who does carnivore, I think, you know, three to, you know, anywhere from three to four months a year, you definitely should cycle into more of a keto phase. Uh, and then also every once in a while, don't be dogmatic, like have some carbs, you know, um, but uh, my point is for anyone who's like, you know, because uh, a lot of people will be like, how do you not eat vegetables for, you know, uh, like, for example, in, in January, uh, you know, it's, it's February 1st at the time of recording. I said, well, actually, after sort of my birthday celebrations, which for 12 days, I ate whatever I wanted. I didn't eat carnivore. Um, yeah, but for the three weeks after that, I didn't have a vegetable for four weeks or three weeks. And people are like, how can you not eat vegetables? And this and that. And it's like, OK, well, 5000 years ago, this time in January, Explain to me where I'm going to find lettuce. Please, please explain to me. And also it's something like, um, uh, you know, all the vegetables in the world basically derive from 12 vegetables and they're, you know, everything else is just man-made. So I also think a lot of people think certain things are healthy or like are natural, but they're not at all. So, um, yeah, I would put, I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make here is, you know, there's so many different diets out there and there's so many different ways of eating. Find what works for you, test it out. Uh, the only issue that I have is when people will like sort of try to deny bio uh, biology or they're like, you have to eat vegetables. It's healthy. And I'm just like, you use some common sense, please use some common sense or where like the one thing that I, I will never agree, agree with is that uh, we're naturally made to be vegan. As I said, I have the utmost respect for anyone who tries to, be, uh, you know, goes for a vegan diet and, this, and like do whatever you want. I don't care. As long as you're not eating processed food, we're all on the same team here. Vegans, uh, carnivores, keto, paleo, whatever. As long as you're healthy and happy, we're all on the same team here. We're all winning, right? We're all doing something positive. I just have an issue, as I said, when people are, uh, you know, vegan people are like, no, you don't understand. Like as humans, we're meant to be vegan. I'm just like, no, we're not. Like, like you, you really can't make a case for that. Cause as I said, please explain to me, you know, if I'm only eating vegetables, I'm from Russia, nine months a year, like, where am I going to find them? <laughs> please explain to me. Um, and also if you basically take a look at, you know, why humans evolved the way they did, you know, it doesn't take rocket science, you know, we evolved the way we did because we were able to hunt better because we were able to create tools. Then we were also able to discover fire. We were able to cook meats uh, and basically all of this extra, you know, basically all of the uh, 
extra micronutrients and macronutrients because you know if you take like let's say you have a handful of vegetables right or uh you know of something you find on a vegan plate and you compare that to a handful of meat what is more micronutrient uh, from a micronutrient perspective you know despite what like all of these studies and like once again you I, you know you can barely trust any studies out there because they're all funded by you know someone with uh you know their own interest but long story short um what is more uh packed uh in terms of a micronutrient uh, perspective definitely the meat and uh what is more and definitely what has more calories and more macros once again definitely the meat um now one thing i will say there's certain meats that i try to stay away from chicken horrible source of protein um and it's a shame like just the way that chickens are raised it, it, it's very inhumane it's very just i'm you know i'm not for it at all unless they're roaming in a field and that's very very hard to find um so yeah i think that's a conversation for another day but um you know there is no one size fits all diet uh, quite frankly next question what are your main reasons for spending months in another country and how do you not lose productivity um well i mean here's the thing right now for example in london i'm, I'm here in cape town for two months I'm halfway through at this point you know in london uh yes i have my house in london my fourth floor house sitting there doing nothing um but you know my productivity is way better here than it is in london because it's winter right now in london it's summer right here in cape town and you know it's only a two-hour time difference so it's still super easy to manage in terms of sales calls and client calls and you know i have a sales call in 13 minutes so that's why by the way i'll probably keep looking at my watch it don't mean to be rude i love the time that we spend together um so yeah, no, it's, it's super easy. The, the thing that the, the place where people go wrong is when they do, uh, the digital nomad lifestyle and they're like in a place for a week and then a place for another, two, you know, when I go to a place, I go there for like two, three months. Right. Uh, the other thing is there's a certain place in the world that have this, uh, a notion that it's, it's great for digital nomads and this and that, for example, Bali, uh, being one of them, it, uh, you know, I don't know how anyone gets any work done in, in Bali. It's, it's impossible. It's, it's not a great place to, to be focused and productive, it, you know, the first thing is just the time zone. It's impossible with sales calls for me personally. So yeah, Cape Town has just been a, a great blend or a great balance. And, you know, other places you can go to, for example, uh, between September, you know, September and October, you know, Marbella in Spain is a great place to kind of shoot off to as things are getting a little colder uh, in UK. Um, uh, even places in like south of France, uh, Cape Town is a great one. This is, as I said, I'm just saying for me personally, from a, uh, also optics perspective in terms of like time zones and this and that. Um, so yeah, how do you not lose productivity when you travel? Don't do the digital nomad of like, oh, I'm going to go here for a week and then here for the, and, you know, work for my laptop on, on the, on the beach. guys, this whole idea that you can uh, do the laptop work from the beach, it, it doesn't exist. Okay. Right. It's, it's the most, uh, you know, maybe you can have a successful business and then run it from the laptop, but by the time that, you know, you're done with your few month, uh, escapade doing, uh, you know, working from the beach, you're going to have no business anymore because you can't get any real work done. So for me. You know, I got my huge air con right there. I have it at 16 degrees Celsius, you know, all the time blasting. And, you know, it's sunny as hell outside here in uh, Cape Town and it's summer, but most of the day I'm, I'm stuck inside working, right? So that's basically uh, kind of my philosophy around it. And the last question is, how do you not think about, uh, how do you not think about slash deal with what is about to happen in the world? Uh, 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 in brackets, a uh, new world order type shit, knowing how evil and twisted it is. I ask because I'm also in a situation like yourself where financially it won't hurt me, but can only help. But it breaks my heart every time I think about what will happen to others. So, oh man, this is just such a long conversation. Um, first of all, there's certain people watching this who are rolling their eyes and going, oh, you know, uh, the great reset, the new world order. 
Um, the New World Order is one that's a little kind of more in the shadows. Like, you know, there's no obvious, obvious thing to be like, they literally wrote a book about it, right? Uh, whereas the Great Reset, people are like, oh, that's a uh, um, conspiracy theory. Guys, 45, it was anywhere from like 45 to 60 days after the whole thing happened in 2020, which I can't actually say on camera. Um, otherwise, they'll probably, first of all, demonetize and take it down. Um, a book came out called The Great Reset by uh, Charles, yeah, his name's Charles, or Klaus, Klaus Schwab, Charles Schwab. Uh, I think that's like an investment brokerage or something like that. Anyways, uh, Klaus Schwab. So uh, Klaus Schwab is the uh, co-founder or founder uh, of the World Economic Forum, which, by the way, is, is a private institution. Uh, you know, you pay anywhere from, I think, on the low end, $600,000 a year up to, you know, uh, I believe it was like $6 million a year, depending on your membership tier. And, you know, there's people in there like Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> shocker. Uh, there's people in there, you know, uh, other world leaders and this and that. And, yeah, you know, right now, actually, at the time of recording this, I believe they're in Davos um, or, well, <laughs> the virtual Davos, um, uh, basically meeting to discuss the world domination <laughs> and how to enslave the population. But, uh, look, long story short, um, what you can do if you want to find out more information about this stuff is look, just type in on, uh, on YouTube, um, The Great Reset. There's a few people, and uh, anytime I talk about, um, you know, the whole, everything that went on in 2020 and how it has very little slash almost nothing to do with the virus, uh, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out, and basically everything to do with uh, a political power play, uh, and uh, basically what they want is a technocratic society. You know, initially when I first started talking about this in around August, um, the response was 50%, like, screw you you're a horrible person how dare you there's people dying blah blah this that and then 50 percent of people were like oh my god thank you someone spoke up and then by the time that i did the uh um, podcast uh with, with my buddy richard you know one hour and 50 minute podcast with 73 references of sources which got taken down and i got a channel strike for that uh which by the way if you want to know anything in the world if you want to know the truth in the world always look at what's censored always look at what's censored Ladies and gents, do you want to know why they are totally fine with you making videos or, or you know, people making videos and discussing flat earth theory? Because it's not true. By the way, flat earth theory, like to me, I think, it, I, of course, I don't think it's th true. I think it's, uh, I, I'm, sorry, I'm not a flat earther. Um, but like, I mean, even it, it does make you think after all the other lies that they've told you about everything else, you start to go, go you're like, eh, what if the world is flat? But anyway, my point is usually it's, it's those things where it's like, trust me, if flat earth, if the flat earth theory was real, they would have censored it by now, right? You just need to look at everything that happened in 2020 and how they censored the truth. And as I said, just, uh, you know, I, I think in Taiwan, it's really interesting. They actually, one of the ways that they were able to figure out what was truth and not is they would look at what other countries were censoring and then they were like, ah, we need to look in that because that's actually probably what is true. Um, but anyways, uh, back to my point, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, it was 50-50 by kind of October time when I talked about it, it was like 70-30 now you know i did one a couple of days ago and I, was, I went in um talking about you know how this is one of the greatest uh frauds in history this that and the response is 99 percent positive like i got one person uh, and there was hundred there was no it was less you know more than 99 because i got hundreds of people responding um and i think a lot of the world has started to wake up and realize what's actually happening so i i get a lot of people asking hey where can i get some information on this now there are some stuff that like would send your mind spinning and i don't want to take you that far because you know there's there's layers that you can get into you know the first layer is just understanding the great reset is something that they talk about openly and they're planning right now and they have a plan for and then you can get into some of the more insidious stuff where you start realizing like 
like some of the stuff you talked about new world order like i think for some people to, uh, to understand the new world order and like the deep state and the, like those are kind of things further down the line first let let people see what's in front of them because you can't deny the great reset when they literally wrote a book the world economic forum called the great reset and they're meeting right now to talk and they literally like you know they hide in plain sight you know it, it's so funny you know um it's funny because the these um these people they they like to hide in plain sight they find it funny this is why like i find the masks hilarious like they 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 laugh at you when you wear the mask because they know they don't work <laughs> um and by the way i had to openly admit that i was wrong about that because i created gadget masks i spent money on them uh and literally the day within a couple of days of selling them like i realized that i had made the biggest mistake and you know for me i had to hold my hands up and go hey i first of all i'm gonna take a financial hat a hit on these because uh, i can't sell them anymore and this is dead stock uh and second i was wrong about this but yeah as i said th they laugh at you when you wear a mask in fact now they're trying to get people to wear two masks and three masks uh and in china they're even doing anal swabs uh for the test because they think it's uh, you know they say it's more accurate than tests which are as i said the test is literally one of the greatest scams in history the founder or the creator of the test i tristan can you bleep out any of what i'm saying like any of what i'm saying because and you can leave this part in the video um because yeah and just put like the the three letters of it because like 100 they're gonna um uh take down this video and probably give me another channel strike but um basically the way that the that test is meant to work is it's meant to be ideally 28 um uh, 28 cycles of the R, uh, viral rna anything above 35 according to its own creator is junk data they do 40 to 45 the whole point of that test is to amplify right you can basically amplify to infinity which is what they do um so anyways i'm, I'm going on a bunch of different tangents long story short a couple of people that is a good easy leeway or entrance into it uh one of my favorite guys on youtube um who actually knows what he's talking about uh, a guy called uh neil i'll actually pull it up right now so tristan if you can pop his youtube up on the screen uh neil mccoy ward uh watch all his stuff um you know some of his latest stuff he's done some stuff uh explaining uh, like one of his latest videos right now at the time recording this you will own nothing and be happy apparently that's basically uh it was a piece of uh there's a video put out by the World Economic Forum about their eight predictions. And by the way, these aren't predictions. This is foreshadowing um, for what's going to happen in by the year 2030. So he's a really good one. Uh, and I'm trying to find people who are a little more, um, you know, aren't. Well, once again, I, you know, people say conspiracy theorists, but conspiracy theory is something coined by, I believe, is the CIA uh, in the 60s, um, basically to uh, to gaslight and discredit critical thinkers. So he's one that you can start with super, super easy. Uh, another one is a Mark Moss. Those are two kind of more from the finance side. So they're not going to get as political about it, which is, you know, I think a little bit of an easier leeway for most people. Now, if you want something where as I said, you're, it's going to, and then outside of that, if you want something that's a little bit more on the sinister side of things, like, okay, why do they want a great reset? Then you can look at things like uh, Dollar Vigilante uh, and Corbett Report. Those are two sources that you can go to. Uh, and a lot of stuff on value payments are very, very good as well. Um, he's questioned a lot of the whole uh, narrative around everything that went on in 2020, you know, the the thing that we're not going to talk about. So, um, so yeah, that's that. And ladies and gents, as I said, like people, um, you know, these people like to hide in plain sight. Um, you know, if you watch, uh, Bill Gates has a book or a video on YouTube uh, that goes over, I think his like eight favorite book recommendations. You know, the top 
Like, I can't believe people don't like, it isn't so obvious to people. The top of that list is how to lie with numbers. What was the theme of 2020? How to lie with numbers and how to get more power and control over a population using fake bullshit, twisted numbers. So you guys, these people like to hide in plain sight. Anyways, anyways, to answer your question, just because I actually have this sales call in a minute now. Um, how do I think about it? Well, look, before going into 2020, I couldn't tell you the difference between left, right, uh, Republican, Dem like I literally didn't know the difference. Like, obviously I knew there are different stances, but I didn't know, you know, uh, I knew the right wing stance. I knew the left wing stance, but I didn't know whether that made him left or right. I didn't know whether that made him Democrat, Republican, labor, like, but in 2020 and in 2021, you need to know what's going on in the world and not based on the news and based on me, like what's actually going on in the world. So it's something that I keep an eye on in terms of how do I deal with it? Nothing in my life has changed. 2020 was my most profitable year by far for the business. 2021 will be my most profitable year by far again for the business. This year we want to do around $3 million profit, not revenue profit between the businesses. And I want to get my personal investment portfolio by the end of the year to four or $5 million and, and nothing has really changed in my life. And that is my recommendation to you guys is look, if you are going to university, if you have a job in, in a sluggish corporate company, that's not a plan, right? As the person who wrote this, you know, it, it's a shame because I, I find that a lot of people who are speaking out about this are the people who literally are not affected by it. Everyone who I've seen speak out about literally one of the biggest humanitarian crises we've had in the past, you know, past few centuries, literally 2020 was one of their best years ever. 2020 was one of my best years ever. The, f the first half of 2020 was super peaceful, super zen for me. 2020 was a super profitable year. I had tons of fun because they said, you know, for me, like everything that's gone in the world, I don't care. I stay at home and I work 99% of the time anyways. You know, I travel whenever I want. I go wherever I want. I do whatever I want. When anyone tells me to wear a muzzle, I say no. Politely, I say no. If they tell me, hey, okay, you can't come, I say, all right, fine, I don't want to. You know, in 2019, I flew business in first class. Uh, in 2020, I by the end of 2019, I made the decision, hey, you know, I'm spending all this money. I would rather, you know, use it to build more schools in Nepal, this, that. Uh, in 2020, I only flew economy. Now in 2021, I'm back to only flying business in first ever. I will never fly economy again because in, in business, they come, they tell you to put on your muzzle that doesn't work. And there's so much research to show that it doesn't work. And, and it's also funny to see that, you know, when they made that mandatory, the, the muzzles, uh, uh, things rocketed in terms of cases, which by the way, cases are the most absurd metric ever. And, well, then again, I guess the next thing you look at is deaths and uh, well, well, they have their own ways to manipulate that. And once again, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but, but anyways, back to my point, you know, when I'm in business first, they tell me to go and put on my mask. Uh, it's funny on the way here, I was flying uh, Qatar Airways. They have a super nice business first class, like little sweet thingy. You know, the guy comes in and politely tells me to put on my muzzle. Uh, you know, I, I, I retort back to him. I go, uh, do I need to wear this if, if I'm drinking or eating? And uh, he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, for the next seven hours, don't ask me if I'm eating or drinking. Just assume I'm eating or drinking and I'm going to have a glass by my side at all times. So that's that's my plan for this uh, for this flight. And he looks back at me because by the way, 90% of people know that this is all BS. And he go looks back at me and he goes, wise move. I respect it. And I will go, I think we're going to be good friends. And, you know, we have a little chuckle and, you know, he was a, a awesome steward. And that was on my first flight from London to Doha. And then from Doha to um, uh, Cape Town, didn't wear it once and then never said anything. I think with everything going on in the world, people are a little bit more intelligent in the Middle East and uh, know how to actually look at real data. But anyways, I am three minutes late to my sales call. I always find a way to do this. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, if you want to get your question answered, super simple. All you have to do is hit subscribe. 
turn on post notifications and somewhere within the week i'll go ahead and do a q a and as i said i usually pick uh you know people within the first one to two hours because i'll do it a couple hours before i start recording so yeah ladies and gents i hope you enjoy this video i'll see you guys in the next one hey look if you enjoyed that video i went ahead and picked out another special video that i know you're going to find immensely valuable you can find it right there i know you're going to love it and i'll see you in the next one